My gravity assist was my village. The place that immediately pops to mind is the community college that I went to, Santa Monica College in LA. There are my parents who've showed me what hard work is, uh, gave me an appreciation for the natural world. A gravity assist is when a spacecraft gets a boost of speed as it flies by an object like Earth or Jupiter. But I also like to talk about gravity assist as an inspirational boost. It's that person, place, thing, or event that propels people into the careers that they have today. I was nine years old when uh, Apollo 11 landed, and I'll never, ever forget watching. It was when I was about five years old, I went to the uh, planetarium in London, and I hadn't really thought about Earth or space or anything like that before then, and it just completely opened my mind. I'm Jim Green, and after five fantastic years, as I have retired from the role of the NASA chief scientist, NASA's Gravity Assist podcast is coming to a close. I'm so grateful to you, the listeners, for coming on this journey with me to tour the solar system and beyond, to investigate the moon, to search for life beyond Earth, and of course, to interview those that are doing the discoveries that we are every day. You know, for this special final episode, we're going to talk about some of the highlights of Gravity Assist and some of our NASA memories of how we pulled these off. Now, it's not only me that made these things happen. And as you know, that takes a team. And that team is Liz Landau and Manny Cooper. So welcome, Liz and Manny. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. It's glad to be here. Well, Liz, tell us a little about your role here in NASA and how you got involved in podcasting. Well, Tim, as a public affairs officer here at NASA headquarters, I do a wide variety of activities, including writing for the NASA website, editing, uh, doing some podcast production. I really got into all of this a long, long time ago when I took a class at Princeton about science communication, which was a field that I had no idea existed. Uh, it was taught by Mike Lemonick and Ed Turner, and it really put me on this path to communicate to the public my enthusiasm for science and all of the amazing activities that are going on in space exploration. In terms of podcasting in particular, I always thought I wanted to be a writer. And it wasn't until I started listening to This American Life and Radio Lab in about 2007 or 8 that I realized, wow, audio storytelling is really exciting also. But it seemed like it was completely inaccessible to me. I had no idea how a podcast was produced. But as it happened, after I had worked at CNN, I came to NASA JPL and then to headquarters. And there became an opportunity for me to work on podcasts. Gravity Assist was actually the first one that I started working on regularly. And really, it has been an amazing journey to help develop this show. Well, how you and I do this, of course, is um, uh, we talk about who we want to interview, and then you make that happen in terms of lining up the right times and the people, and then you draft our first set of questions. Now, I dearly love that idea because, uh, you know, from that point of view, what do you want to know? I mean, 
I'm, I'm up on a lot of the science, not all of it, but I have a hard time making those questions work initially because I don't know what maybe the general public knows. So your effort in getting those draft set of questions is really critical, I think, to really create the right tone and the right opportunity for me to dig into that and go deeper into Gravity Assist. So thanks so much for that role. And of course, uh, we can't make this show happen without our audio engineer, Manny Cooper. You know, I mean, Manny just puts it all together so seamlessly. And so, Manny, uh, what did you really like about doing this, and how did you get into the audio engineer business? What I really like about the Gravity Sit podcast is getting to learn um, things that I wouldn't necessarily, you know, learn in my field. Um, being exposed to, you know, the science behind, you know, growing food in space. What does another planet sound like? Um, you know, what are some of the things that astronauts think about when launching or what, you know, they're thinking about when they're on the ISS is it's all interesting things. Um, so getting to learn stuff like that is is really, really amazing. And being at NASA is also pretty phenomenal in itself. Um, so I say where I got my audio engineering background from um, pretty much started in high school at Duke Ellington School of the Arts focusing on technical theater, got the love for um, audio, doing technical theater, so live shows, uh, concerts, things like that. Went to school for it down in Florida. Um, so got my college degree. Um, moved back here to DC where I went to American University for my master's, got my master's in audio technology. So uh, it's, it's in my blood now. <laughs> and uh, of course, uh, it's that behind-the-scenes activity and work that you and Liz do that really, to me, make it so tremendously successful. Well, you know, in, in 2017, the Office of Communication came to me and said uh, they'd like to do a podcast and, and would like to know if I would be the host. And I said, yeah, I'd love to be the host. Not only that, I know what to call it. Let's call it Gravity Assist. And of course, uh, initially uh, from the Office of Communication, they were puzzled by that name, but it really has its roots in um, an experience that I had the year before. In fact, the name comes from my interaction with people in a town called Mars, Pennsylvania. The mayor of Mars was putting on this big, huge parade celebrating the planet Mars as a theme for his parade. And so uh, he had asked me uh, what the celebration could be about. And I said, let's make it, you know, the Mars New Year. You know, this is when uh, uh, the year on Mars starts. It's a perfect timing for it with the Mars calendar. And he had this fabulous parade. Kids were dressed up as Martians. And I said, well, can I bring some uh, NASA employees up and we'll, we'll be there and enjoy the celebration too and talk about what we know about Mars. Well, he loved that idea. And so I brought about 100 NASA people up. It was great. We had displays and rovers and everything. And I had a little boy in the, in the town follow me around all day. In fact, I had him hand out stuff and we chit-chatted all kinds of things that he wanted to know. And we just had a, a really wonderful time. I even ran rovers over on top of him, you know, <laughs> uh, which was fun to do. And he enjoyed it. 
Well, about nine months later, I received an email from his father. And I had given the little boy my card, and so it wasn't hard for his father to get a hold of me. And he said that his son was really blossoming in school. He was getting great grades in math and science and building the Juno spacecraft out of Legos. His son was really getting into space. And so his father said he wanted to thank me for giving his son a gravity assist. And I got it immediately. I thought, wow, who would have thought that, you know, Jim Green scientist could really inspire or get people motivated to be more involved in space, to understand uh, how they might fit into the future. I'm not Carl Sagan. You know, I'm not people like Neil deGrasse Tyson and, 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 and really uh, put it out there on a, on a regular basis. But I did love the name. And I really wanted to know how other scientists get involved in the business we're in. And that's really where the name comes from. That one event that happened to me. Well, imagine, you know, the fantastic stories that came out as we went interviewing people from all over the place. And it's really hard to choose favorite episodes or even favorite gravity assists. But what I thought I'd do is, is have a, a chat with, with Liz and Manny about what our favorites are. So without further ado, Liz, what are your favorite episodes in Gravity Assist? Oh my gosh, Jim, it's so hard to choose. I mean, it's been such an incredible journey to learn about the solar system and beyond, but especially some of the episodes in the astrobiology season were really compelling to me. You know, people going out to learn about Antarctica, finding out that there is life everywhere you look, even in the most extreme conditions on Earth, as well as people looking at exoplanets for signs of life and how we might do that. Ravi Kapaparu at Goddard, I really enjoyed that episode. He talked about the possibility of could we even find pollution on an exoplanet? That's just so wild. And the idea that scientists are even thinking about that is incredible. I was like, this can't be possible. I'm standing in front of history that's happening right now that we, for the first time in our life, we know how common are Earth-like planets. Okay, if they're so common, where can we find this life? I also really liked the episode with Kelsey Young, who actually trains astronauts here on Earth for when they go to the moon and they have to do geology. I also really found it interesting that we have a bunch of people that we've interviewed over the years. When we ask them, what is your gravity assist? They actually talk about watching Star Trek or reading science fiction novels. And I've given talks where people have asked me, Liz, do you think it's a problem that there's all this sci-fi out there? Does that confuse people? But actually, I think that it really inspires people and that we really need those amazing television shows, movies, and books to inspire people to want to explore the universe. Yeah, that's fantastic. All those I remember really well. Well, Manny, what are some of the episodes that really stand out for you? Okay, so uh, the first one was, uh, what does uh, Mars sound like with Nina Lanza? The fact that we are now, you know, integrating microphones and rovers and, and things like that um, 
is really cool. We get to hear what it sounds like on different planets. Um, we, we caught the descent, you know, when the rover was landing. And we can, you know, hear what the helicopter sounds like on Mars. So, you know, things like that are, are really innovative. Um, and as being, again, an audio engineer, it's really cool to, you know, think that, hey, maybe one day something that I could do with audio engineering could, you know, be incorporated, you know, in, in further um, studies in science with NASA. Let me play you a clip of the Nina Lanza episode. Indeed, can we hear the wind on Mars? We can. And you know, in many ways, it sounds like the wind on Earth, but in other ways, it doesn't. So maybe we can take a listen. Yeah, let's do that. The second one, listening to the universe, the Kim Arcan episode, where she had worked with an audio engineer with infrared images uh, and created uh, composition, musical pieces. Yeah, Kim's data sonifications were amazing. Let me play you a clip from one of those. light year region around the supermassive black hole Sagittarius A star at the very core of the Milky Way. And again, we have incredible bits of information from various NASA observatories. We've got the X-ray light from Chandra, of course. We also have the infrared light from Spitzer and additional information from the Hubble Space Telescope. And they look very different when you're looking at these different kinds of light. And then the last one would be um, Joe DePasquale, the uh, images of NASA. Um, how do we make web and Hubble images? That one to me was amazing. And it got me thinking about, you know, it's theoretically like painting by numbers, you know. So that's uh, that was also kind of kind of cool for me, seeing and hearing about things like that. There's sort of like a universal appeal to these images. They touch on a collective need or wants to understand the deeper questions of the universe that we all have in ways that connect us all together. Well, I have to tell you, uh, as I mentioned before, episodes uh, that I really like uh, are those that come with a surprise, okay? When Catherine Walker talked about how she almost fell through a glacier, I mean, my heart stopped. And I was like, oh, my God, what happened? And I looked back down to where I'd popped out of. Um, and there was this giant opening. Um, there was about a 20-meter drop down into the ocean um, from there. And so survived that. You know, another one that I really like was Sonny Panjuani. He was in the uh, JSC control room when the Russian module called uh, Science was just connected to the International Space Station and one of the rockets turned on. And that started the entire space station to spin. It was just surreal being there my first day and feeling like I was still stuck in a simulation. It really taught me that our training is there to push us to our limits again. And, um, and sometimes, you know, 
you, you just you're sitting there and you can't believe what's happening, but you're calm and you're collected and you're ready to work the problem. And then many gravity assists that I really enjoy, and they range from teachers, you know, high school teachers, and that that really got me started. I resonated with that. There's no substitute from having a really dedicated teacher. A couple of the ones I also like were surprising to me as gravity assists. And, and one in particular was uh, in, first, in the first season where David Grunspoon talked about his environment. It turns out one of my dad's best friends was Carl Sagan when I was little. They were both Harvard professors. And, you know, this was before he was famous. He was just this cool guy we knew who uh, would lead these public observing nights at the Harvard Observatory and, uh, you know, let us go uh, run the controls at the planetarium. And, you know, so uh, that was certainly an influence. And so his end result is, yeah, I'm going to be a planetary scientist. Isn't everybody? That to me really, really talks about, uh, you know, how our environment is so important for us to shape uh, our young minds into thinking they can fit in in knowing that they can use their abilities and build on the knowledge that we have to continue this grand adventure of really uncovering the nature of things. And that's what science is all about. We need science now more than ever before. I would say that my gravity assist was the day that Mount St. Helens erupted uh, in, in Washington state. When I was in the second grade, somebody gave me a copy of a book called The Golden Book of Astronomy. I would love to give uh, thanks to um, back in my public school system in Colorado, uh, some great science teachers. Really, it boils down to being a young teenager. And I fell in love with science fiction at the same time that my dad started encouraging me to have an interest in astronomy. So. Uh, Liz and Manny, uh, you've heard all these gravity assists. So Liz, let's start with you. What's your favorite gravity assist beyond the science fiction realm? Were there others? Oh, yes. And some of them really resonated with me as well. I mean, you really get a sense for how things that happen during childhood can really spark somebody to be a lifelong science aficionado and even become a scientist or engineer themselves. Um, you know, people talked about going to science museums, going to launches, all kinds of things, you know, that happened to them. Uh, actually, Kelsey Young talked about going on a hike with her father. My dad, you know, demanded that we try one hike and I was not into it. And he said, fine, you can wait in the car. And I was so indignant that he was going to leave us in the car that out of spite, I agreed to do the hike. Uh, and it was it, I was hooked from then on out. The experience of going on a hike made her want to go into geology. And I thought that was really amazing. So, you know, for those of you who have children out there, you know, they are so impressionable and there are so many things that can excite them. And it, it just takes that one exposure to really set somebody on this path. Yeah, indeed. I would go as far as to say that this entire process has been like my gravity assist, um, actually editing and listening to all of these scientists. Um, it's helped me to, you know, understand my science a little further and given me some ideas on where I actually want to take it. So again, gravity assist has been my gravity assist. 
Yeah, I really feel the same way, Manny. Like, it's really one of my favorite things that I've ever worked on, certainly at NASA, but in general as well. To be able to be a fly on the wall and listen to Jim Green talk to such an amazing range of people and to learn about the possibilities of what is out there. How does our planet work? How does our universe work? Are we alone? The scientists that are taking these questions outside the realm of fiction and bringing them into our reality, it's really helped me to not only understand our place in the universe, but really grow as an audio storyteller as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. And thanks so much for you know, participating in this grand adventure that we've had together. So I want to thank you, Liz and Manny, uh, so very much for making this such a successful endeavor. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jim. Jim, you've been such an amazing gravity assist to us and for so many people out there. Thank you for all that you do. Ditto. Well, it's been my pleasure. Well, you know, we do hope that all of our audience out there has been inspired by this show in some way, shape, or form. Well, you can get Gravity Assist in many venues, but of course, uh, the one here at NASA is being put online by Gary Dane. So Gary, thanks so much for the support of getting these posted. You can also find out so many other great NASA podcasts uh, by going to nasa.gov slash podcasts. And in particular, check out things like The Curious Universe, you know, for which more great stories about the agency are being discussed. I'm Jim Green, and this has been your Gravity Assist. Let me read you a couple of the reviews, you know, uh, that I really appreciated. So here's one. This podcast makes astronomy very accessible to all, very informative and entertaining. That was nice. Now, another one I really like was uh, from a woman, and she wrote, My 10-year-old son and I listen to this podcast on our half hour commute to school in the mornings. I love watching him get excited about space and learning about all that awesome things that NASA is up to. I especially love hearing about what inspired all these great scientists to get where they are today. Wow, I mean, to me, that's what Gravity Assist was really all about. Now, of course, we also had some comments about how to improve what we were doing. One comment was, please remove the annoying background <laughs> audio music. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a great show, right? <laughs> so, so there were a few episodes where we perhaps overdid it, but we adjusted. That, that's really important input to us. Another one uh, that is important is um, uh, from a, a listener who said, this is an informative podcast, but the host speaks like talking to an audience from Sesame Street. <laughs> the way he speaks literally is the way an adult would speak to a child. And that's very annoying. We should get a new host that understands the audience is not children, but mostly adults. Now, to oh my me, gosh, what? <laughs> yeah. 
Now, now in reality, uh, I'm okay with that because I, I get excited about what we talk about. <laughs> it's just what happens to me. There's great explanations for the science that's being uncovered. But uh, sorry about that. Uh, being associated with, you know, uh, Bert and Ernie and the others uh, <laughs> is okay with me. <laughs> <laughs>